I'm Luka Doncic and this is Lockdown Mavericks Podcast. psychosomatic. Now don't worry, that's just a fancy doctor word for your brain is broken. Unfortunately, there's no field of medicine that deals with the brain. And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, media member and coordinator for the Locked On Podcast Network. And I am joined today by Brian Sutterer, the great YouTube doctor slash real doctor slash Twitter doctor. He's going to talk to us about JJ Reddick's heel situation as well as resting Luca and Porzingis. What does it mean? Why do the maps do it so often? So we're going to get into it with him a little bit later in the show. But first up, today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. All right. Today, I want to get into a couple of things before we talk to Dr. Brian. Uh, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report produced a uh, wrote a piece after a kind of a post-mortem of the trade deadline. The Mavericks were mentioned a bunch of times in there, so we got to get to it. Uh, the framework of the J.J. Redick trade, the one that actually happened. So J- James Johnson, Wessel one do a second-round pick for Nicolo Melli and J.J. Redick. Apparently, that was done Tuesday night, which goes back to our theory that the Dallas Mavericks had that trade in place and were waiting for a bunch of other stuff to happen before they actually went and did that trade. That's why it happened so late in the trade deadline day. They had that trade days beforehand, just waiting in their back pocket in case something else happened with you know Victor Oladipo or Drummond or whoever. And the Mavericks, that's exactly what happened. So we were proven right in that case. Found that pretty interesting. A couple other things in here. The Mavericks also had a framework of James Johnson and two second-round picks for Evan Fournier. So a lot of you fans that were thinking, why didn't the Mavs get in on Fournier? Why is that not a guy that the Mavericks would would be in on? They were. They went after that. But looks like the Celtics picks are going to be a little bit better. And so they went with that trade instead. They decided to do that. Uh, they got... Um, they got a couple of picks from the Celtics. So Evan Fournier, even though he went 0 for 10 from the field in his first game, he would have been a pretty good pretty good asset, I think. I think he would have been a good contributor for the Mavericks, but he's with the Celtics. The Mavericks did have you know, a deal in place, according to Jake Fisher of uh, Bleacher Report. So there's that. And then this is the big one, though. This is the one that really stuck off the page. The Mavericks held conversations with the Rockets regarding Oladipo on trade deadline day. Now, whatever level that means, whatever length had held conversations means, like that could mean so many different things, right? Held conversations could mean, what are you guys asking for Victor Oladipo? And they're like, you know, literally nothing. You could give us anything because that's exactly what they got for Victor Oladipo. And the Mavericks are like, okay, cool. We just wanted to know. You know, they were just trying to, to guess basically. Uh, so th- that could be the level that it went to, but the fact that the Mavericks didn't give up anything for Victor, the, the fact that the Rockets gave up Oladipo for nothing, right? They got Avery Bradley, they got Kelly Olenek, and they got a pick swap that they'll never see, that'll never matter ever for them. The fact that that's all they got, and the Mavericks, according to this report from Bleacher Report, were in contact with them. That, to me, means that the Mavericks were not super interested in Victor Oladipo because he was, he was gettable. He they could have got him. Now, maybe it's one of those things where the Rockets didn't want to trade him in the division, which is so dumb, especially for a team as bad as the Rockets right now with a team that's as good as the Mavericks are right now, even a team as good as the Mavericks. So that was kind of interesting. 
But then it made me think for a second. All right. This report from Victor about Victor Oladipo comes out. Donnie Nelson, what did he say on trade deadline day? And I know Isaac would probably push back on this, but Donnie Nelson said they did not want to avoid, they wanted to avoid a Rondo type two deal. We assumed immediately that that was Drummond. Could have been Drummond. Could have been something else though. It could have been Victor Oladipo. And Victor Oladipo is not the level of veteran that Rajon Rondo was. He was not the NBA champion like Rajon Rondo was when the Mavericks acquired him, but Pretty similar situation, right? Didn't He wanted out of his, his old place, thought he was bigger than the situation, wanted to go somewhere where he can win, had a place in mind that he wanted to go to, and then he was traded somewhere else. And that could have been, a situa- that could have been the situation. That could have been the Rondo-type do- two deal that Donnie Nelson talked about. Literally mentioned Rondo-type two, right? Like Rondo part two. That could have been Victor Oladipo. Really interesting. Do I think it would have been that kind of a situation? Maybe. All the reports about Oladipo going to Miami, I'm so fascinated to see how he's going to play, how he's going to show up, how he's going to fit into the you know heat culture trademark, like all that kind of stuff. How is he going to fit in? How is he going to fill? How is he going to play next to Jimmy Butler? Is he going to be okay with Jimmy Butler taking the final shot? Does he want to have to take the final shot? Is Victor Oladipo even going to close games for them? Like that kind of stuff is going to be really interesting. We're probably not going to have an answer about would Victor Oladipo have been a good fit. And the same thing for Drummond. Like I'll just be perfectly honest. Isaac and I were all out on on Andre Drummond to the Mavs, and even if he plays well in LA, we're not going to know how he would have played. In Dallas, we're just not. It's a different situation. That team is ready for a championship. They just won one. They have a veteran in LeBron that is a veteran on the level of no one else in the league. No one even close to the Mavericks is has that level of power and sway and you know uh, gravitas, whatever word you want to throw for for LeBron James. Like nobody on the Mavericks has that. And so for both these situations. And Jake Fisher in, in the Bleacher Report article says the Mavericks did not factor into the buyout market that was already taking shape for Drummond. So they didn't. They decided not to go after Victor Oladipo. Decided not to do Andre Drummond. And it seems like they could have gotten probably both, maybe one of them, because Drummond got bought out. So you'd think that the Cavs would take something, unless they were really taking Drummond's, you know like what Drummond said into account and they really wanted to do right by Drummond, which doesn't really make a lot of sense to me that they would do that, but they could have got something. They could have got a second round pick for him probably. And so it seems like the Mavericks turned both of those things down. Now, was it a mistake for them to do that? We'll see. Again, we're not going to know hundred percent what it would have looked like, but to have a talent like Victor Oladipo to take that risk, I'm almost at the point where I think they should have taken the risk. The Mavericks, like the team that they have now, they didn't want to mess it up. They want to see what they have in some of these guys like Josh Richardson, Tim Hardaway Jr. They are both you know, free agents. Josh Richardson has a player option he could pick up, but he could very well turn it down. Tim Hardaway Jr. is an unrestricted free agent. So the Mavericks need to know what they have in those two guys. And that's what I think they're thinking is. For me, I think I would have taken the risk. Take the risk on Victor Oladipo. Try it out. See what it is. See what's up with it. See if, if you can get that anywhere close to that all-NBA Victor Oladipo type player, all of a sudden you have something, right? He's a guy that fits so well next to Luka, fits so well uh, probably with Porzingis, maybe not so much. I wouldn't see them sharing the court as much, but it could they, it could work for sure. It's not like there's, you know, it's not like a drum and Porzingis situation where I'm, I don't think that that would fit at all and it wouldn't work. So uh, other thing about this, 
Um, in this report from Jake Fisher Bleacher Report, Mavs playoff bound teams inquire or most playoff bound teams inquired about Drummond. Dallas considered pairing Drummond with Chris Porzingis in the front court. Now, considered, right? Like that word's probably doing a lot of legwork in that sentence, but that's interesting. It seems like the Mavericks had the same thoughts that we did. Should we pair Drummond with Porzingis? Drummond, if he comes in, he's going to want to start. He's going to want to have a big role with this team. And so that means pairing him with Porzingis in the front court. Now, what does that mean for Porzingis? What does that mean for the rest of the team? What does that mean for Drummond? Right? Like they weighed all those factors. They decided not to go for it. Didn't even seem like they factored much into the buyout market, which is literally what they said. So some real interesting stuff. And uh, just some some really fascinating what ifs now, right? Like, what if Drummond all of a sudden looks incredible with the Lakers, right? Uh, I don't think we're gonna hundred percent know what he would have looked like in Dallas. So, interesting stuff from the post mortem, I guess, of the trade deadline. What the Mavericks could have done? They did a deal. I'm glad that they did a deal. But some of these others, like, they don't really blow you away, right? Like, does Victor Oladipo blow you away? Nobody wanted him. He wanted to go to Miami. Seemed like he was going to go there. Even if the Mavs got him and he was good, maybe he would have just gone off to Miami. He was an unrestricted free agent anyway. So you would have been making that risk. I'm okay with what the Mavs did. We'll talk to Dr. Brian about J.J. Redick, when we can expect him to return. So we'll get into all that. Uh, But we got to talk about the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Michelob Ultra, go try one out today. And uh, the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, I'm giving it to Kristaps Porzingis. He played three games, even though they lost the one game that Luka didn't play. Uh, They went 2-1 and in the games that Porzingis played this week. And last week, Porzingis was the opposite of the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. He was like the uh, the sparkling water Player of the Week, and I do not like sparkling water. Don't understand why people have why people drink it. He was that of the week, <laughs> right? Or he was like the stale coffee of the week because the week before, eleven points, eleven points, twelve points. He just looked like he was not the type of player. He was not even close to an All Star or a star, anything like that. Then this week happens. Porzingis, 29 points, 9 boards, 4 assists. 31 points, 18 boards, and 3 assists in that loss against Indiana, but still huge numbers there. And then 20 points, 9 boards, 5 assists in the win against OKC in only 28 minutes. Didn't have to play in the fourth quarter. Just some great stuff from him in this week. So he really bounced back. He's the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week for me. And uh, yeah, that's that's who I'm giving it to. I'm sticking by it. I'm handing it to Kristaps Porzingis. He brought some joy because when Chris Porzingis is at his best, the Mavericks are at their best. Uh, he gives us joy. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. And so hopefully for Chris Porzingis, uh, he finds some enjoyment in his play. It seems like he only enjoys it if he's playing well. If he's not playing well, even if the Mavs win, it doesn't seem like he enjoys it as much. So we might have to get him some Michelob Ultra. Uh, are you win because are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? For Chris Porzingis, you're only happy when you play well and win, right? <laughs> that second caveat there. So go check out some Michelob Ultra. Go get some. Put some in your fridge this weekend for a couple of Mavs back-to-backs. And uh, we'll be back with Brian Sutterer coming up. All right, welcome into the Lockdown Mavericks podcast, the great Brian Sutterer, MD, the doctor, the actual real doctor, not a Twitter doctor, actually kind of a Twitter doctor, but also has real work to back it up. Incredible YouTube channel. If you're not checking it out, go subscribe. We'll put a link in the description of the podcast. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Nick. How are you? 
Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So I wanted to bring you in for two things today. One, let's get into J.J. Redick and his heel situation. And then I want to talk to you about Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis, and all this resting and load management and all that kind of stuff. So we wanted to get into both those things. Let's start with J.J. Redick. Uh, So on March 11th, J.J. Redick was back with the Pelicans. And they report, you know, it was reported that he underwent a non-surgical procedure to relieve inflammation and soreness in his right heel. And it said he will be out of the lineup for at least a week. It has been uh, two weeks since then. And now there's no timetable for his return. So explain to us what a non-surgical procedure, inflammation in the right heel and soreness, what does that all mean? Sure. So it's interesting, you know, they haven't said specifically what Reddick's diagnosis is. If we kind of do a little bit of, you know, detective work, looking back, kind of common things being common, they're likely talking about plantar fasciitis here. Just, you know, typically what an athlete's going to be dealing with whenever they have heel pain. There are other things that can cause inflammation around the heel, but, you know, common things being common. Reddick has a history of dealing with plantar fasciitis. It's interesting. He actually, there's the story that when he was back in high school, I think it was, he ruptured his plantar fascia, I think, on that right side. And What is a plantar a fascia? And- what does that exactly mean? So the plantar fascia, if you think of your foot, so you have the arch of your foot, right? Yeah. The kind of floor of that arch is your plantar fascia. And fascia is just this kind of thick, fibrous, connective tissue that spans the bottom of that arch. So it kind of runs from mm. your heel bone out to the toes. It's sort of kind of mingled in with the different muscles that are on the bottom of the foot, but it has some, it, you know, supports the arch in the foot. It's got some different mechanical properties for the foot itself. But when someone gets plantar fasciitis, we think there's basically irritation, inflammation, um, kind of damage bottom line in that fascial tissue. And as a result, it can get thick, it can get swollen, and it's a really sensitive area that causes a lot of pain. So when we then go to, well, what does non-surgical procedure mean? In recent kind of sports medicine, musculoskeletal medicine history, we've been doing more of these kind of less invasive non-surgical procedures where we're using things like ultrasound guidance to do sort of somewhat invasive procedures, but we don't have to cut you open and take you to the operating room and stitch it up and that sort of thing. It's hard to say exactly because they could simply mean something like a platelet-rich plasma injection. They could mean something like a steroid injection, or they could mean kind of a further end of that spectrum where they go in and actually take a needle and sort of poke at the the plantar fascia, try to break up some of that scar tissue, kind of induce some healing. So even though we hear, you know, non-surgical procedure, all that really means is he didn't have to go to the operating room. But it doesn't really tell us, well, was it just a basic, you know, the maps do all kinds of PRP injections. And I know this was back when he was with the Pelicans, but it could really be something as basic as a platelet-rich plasma injection, or it could be one of these more um, kind of advanced procedures that we're doing now in the sports medicine world where you actually, you know, take some higher kind of technical stuff and go in and try to break up that tissue to reintroduce this healing process. Um, So it's tough to say exactly which of those he had going on, unfortunately. Yeah, and non-surgical procedure, that could be like a massage, right? Like it doesn't have to be like exactly. it doesn't have to be yeah, anything. Exactly. You know, it could it could be as simple as an injection. It could be, you know, anything. You're right. Some ultrasound kind of treatment techniques. So I think the fact that originally they anticipated he might only be out a week or so says that it was likely on this kind of less invasive side, like potentially just something like an injection. When we get into these more kind of complex, um, there's a procedure called 10X that you might have heard about some basketball players having done for like jumper's knee, patellar tendinopathy. 
when we do those procedures, it's usually like multiple months recovery. And so I don't suspect that's what they did with him or else we would have heard about a much longer absence. Is that where you have like the, the uh, there's a certain like bone that sticks out in your knee when you have jumper's knee? Because in middle school, everybody was like, oh, I have jumper's knee. And they would wear one of those little like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. bands Not around exactly. their knee. And it would <laughs> so that's, uh, that's something called Oshkid Slaughter's disease, where it's basically where your patellar tendon inserts into the tibia. As you're growing, that tendon is basically pulling on the bone. And in some kids, that tendon can kind of pull some of that piece of bone away. And that's kind of what gives you that bump and can be painful, but it's not actually the tendon itself, like, like jumper's knee. Yeah. Everybody wanted to wear those little bands around their knee and like, like, God, it's jumper's (laughs) knee. (laughs) Yeah. And then they would be like, I'm an athlete. And you're like, oh, sure. Yeah. Right. right. Glad that you're (laughs) broken. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so JJ Reddick in the past, you said in high school, he's had a history of this and it has come up before. Yeah. And typically this is something that can really be this kind of chronic, hard to manage type of thing. Um, you know, I, based on what we've heard so far, I don't see this as like a season ending type of procedure or, or, you know, season ending type of injury. We always worry about when you have damage or irritation, that plantar fascia, plantar fascia rupture, which of course, you know, we saw Goran Dragic have last year in the finals. And obviously he wasn't able to play on it because of the pain. So that's really what, you know, if this, assuming this is plantar fasciitis, that's what the medical staff is really trying to avoid is bringing him back too soon, bringing him back in a situation where something more catastrophic, like a rupture of the plantar fascia could occur, which then would certainly be potentially season ending. Yeah, so the no time the no timetable is not necessarily like ominous, right? It could just mean that they're not 100% sure when he's going to be 100% or they're may- being really cautious yeah. or something like that. Yeah, I don't think it's ominous at all. I think, you know, especially in the context of a player switching teams, you know, it's a new medical staff that's trying to get familiar with him and kind of feel out what he's been doing in his rehab before, what's kind of coming next. I think it all does not sound concerning so far with what we've read about. Coming up, we'll talk to Brian about Luca and Porzingis and resting and load management, all that kind of stuff. Why do the Mavericks do it so much? Why on back-to-backs? What does it mean? Get into all that coming up. But also want to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They're absolutely delicious. I had a churro puff bar today. They are really, really good. Churro puff bars are they have like a marshmallow filling in them. So they're not the same as the other kind of built bars. They're really, really different. The consistency is different. So if you didn't like built bars to begin with, you can try the puff type bars. Go check them out. Also, we're doing a bracket right now on builtbar.com. You have to go check it out. See which ones that are in the final four right now. There is a, I'm pretty sure we got coconut brownie chunk and mint brownie in the final four. Those are my two favorite bars. People love cookies and cream. People also love this cookie dough chunk bar. That one people are really loving. That's the other side of the bracket. So two cookies on one side and then br- and two brownies on the other side. Fascinating matchup in the Built Bar matchup. So go check it out. Use that promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order with Built Bar. Again, promo code LOCKED15. And bet online. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Always stuff changing all the time. You got to check it almost daily to see what kind of odds there are right now. They throw in some random trade stuff for the NBA every once in a while. They throw in some futures every once in a while. They got a couple of futures right now. Uh, Let's see. They have a Magic and Clippers game props right now. Uh, For the Clippers to win by 21 points or more, plus 325. (laughs) Incredible. What's If the Magic win, let's, okay. This is insane. BetOnline.com or BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code LOCKEDON to get a 50% welcome bonus your first deposit. Listen to this. 
If you put down a hundred bucks on the Magic to win by either seventeen or by uh, by twenty one points or more, you put down a hundred bucks, and the Magic somehow pull off an insane, insane upset. They beat the Clippers by twenty one points or more. You'd win five thousand dollars. Incredible. So there's just some crazy long shot stuff. If you want to try it, put down ten bucks and you could win. Five hundred dollars. Uh, you can do the math after that. So go to Bet Online, use the promo code Locked On, and get a fifty percent welcome bonus to the first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. The other thing I wanted to get into was Luca and Kristaps Porzingis and this whole rest load management stuff. I mean, it's we've been talking about it for years, and I'm sure you're probably sick and tired of talking about it, but it keeps coming up. For somebody like Kristaps yeah. Porzingis, I think fans understand him sitting out back-to-backs, right? He had the, you know, meniscus tear. He had that work done. He had that, you know, the surgery over this past offseason. He came into the season a little late because he was recovering from that. So that one, I think, makes sense. The one that we're concerned about is, is Luca, and why are they – doing it the way that they are what's the point of of resting a guy it's 22 especially some sometimes it'll be with two days off they'll give him the rest like is this just the Mavs plan or is there some kind of uh like medical science or something behind it where there's certain days that make more sense for him to rest than others this is such a frustrating thing for fans and it's frustrating also for us because we understand how complex it is and it's I, you know, I get it. Fans want to see Luca play on a specific night. They have tickets. It's frustrating them when he doesn't play. Or, or every what, night. What, Pretty much every yeah, night. <laughs> yeah. So I think what, what people have to remember at the end of the day is the Mavs are doing this to keep Luca and KP healthy for a postseason run for the rest of the season because in their best data that they have, their best research, their medical staff, they think this is best for him to recover and to be able to avoid getting hurt. The important thing is everybody is different. And this is, I think, what fans have a hard time accepting because we see somebody like LeBron James who seemingly never has to sit out a game, you know, is able to recover super quick and not kind of have that same impact on his body. And we try to equate that to somebody like Luca who maybe doesn't quite as recover as quickly or maybe still is feeling the soreness from whatever a little bit longer. That doesn't mean that inherently like Luca is a worse player or is weaker or inferior in some way. It just means that his body is different and needs managed in a different way. I would much rather have the medical science we do today to where teams are looking at guys to say, hey, do we need to sit you down? Do we need to limit back-to-backs? Do we need to limit mimits? Because then that's going to help these guys last longer in the league. I mean, take Larry Bird, take Bill Walton, ask them if they would have liked to have had load management kind of science and information. And I'm sure they'd say, heck yeah, like if that's going to give me a few more years of my career. So it's hard, but you have to remember, I mean, it's it's in the Mavs' best interest to keep him healthy. And so they're doing this to try and keep him healthy. The data is mixed. You know, you'll find mixed research on, well, one team thinks this is the right way to do it. Another team thinks this is the right way to do it. They all sort of have their own little unique way. They look at the data, their own little way. They look at kind of what they think needs to be monitored. And that's their decision. You know, at the end of the day, as hard as it is, we kind of have to trust that they feel like they're doing the best thing they can. And, you know, they've got experience, you know, a, a guy like Dirk who they were able to manage, I, I would say pretty well. I mean, he had a fairly long career. And so they've got a track record of understanding what they're doing with these players. Um, but nonetheless, I, I understand the frustration because it's hard to <laughs> accept, well, they're, they're resting. Why do they need to rest? They're a professional athlete and, and they're resting so that they don't have to rest at the end of the season and in the playoffs. <laughs> 
Is there something about back-to-backs? Like, what is it about the strain of that specific thing? And Carla has specifically mentioned a lot about the travel, right? They've had, they yep. travel more often in this season because, uh, well, they weren't supposed to travel because they were supposed to change the schedule up, but they're having to travel and, and be in one place one night and another place another night, and then they're getting in a little bit later than they normally would because the schedule right. is so condensed. What is it about this condensed schedule, and specifically back-to-backs, that caused yeah. the Mavericks to rest some of these guys more often? Well, I think the big thing with the back-to-backs is the limited recovery time. So whenever you exert a load onto your body, whether it's football, basketball, me trying to run 30 minutes on the treadmill, whatever, <laughs> you need to give your body adequate time to recover. For me, that might mean I can't go run 30 minutes the next day. I need a day off. And so that back-to-back piece basically gives your body less time to optimally recover. If you string too many of those suboptimal recovery days together, then you're going to be predisposing yourself to getting hurt. And so I think that's the biggest thing with the back-to-backs is looking more so at the recovery side of things and making sure that guys have adequate time to recover, recuperate from the damage they've done to their body the night before, and then be healthy for the next game. I think when you look at the travel, we think load and we think about minutes. We think about, you know, miles guys running the court. We think about time, but we forget that load also implies the stresses that you deal with. It implies how you are sleeping, the the anxiety, the stressors that come with travel, that come with being a professional athlete. And all of those things are loads that the team is measuring and managing. I mean, a lot of these teams are, are doing questionnaires with their guys that say, hey, what's your stress level today? How are you feeling? Are you feeling burnt out? Are you feeling fatigued? Are you feeling tired? How's your sleep? And so the more you try to condense that travel, the more guys are going from one city to another, you raise the opportunity for that kind of stress component of load to go up. And so it's just another sort of variable in this whole big confusing formula of load management um, that does definitely make this harder. You know, I think guys said it when they were in the bubble, it was great because they weren't traveling same place every day, you know, there, it was easier to recover. They didn't have that additional stress. And so I think that's a big part of it too. Last thing for you is kind of a curveball, but, uh, recovering from COVID the Mavericks have had some guys that have, you know, had COVID and they were out for weeks and then they've, they've come back and they don't look the same. And then a couple weeks later, it kind of seems like they're back to normal. Have we learned anything about recovering from COVID? Is it just different for every single player? What is it about this specific, you know, respiratory illness that, um, guys have to work out and try and figure out how to, you know, recover from. Yeah, I think that is, you said it exactly right. It affects everybody differently. Um, you know, as far as I'm aware, there's not been any specific information about, you know, uh, an exact formula for the respiratory side effects. I know there's been some data that's come out with the, the myocarditis, the, the heart involvement that we were worried about showing that it's really not as bad as everybody thought it was going to be, which is fantastic news. Um, but everybody, everybody's different, you know, the way that someone like Jason Tatum responds and is able to get that conditioning back is going to be different than another player. And so I think teams are still trying to figure out how to tailor each specific player's kind of activity ramp up. But I don't think you can deny that we're seeing effects of it. I mean, players have mentioned it, you know, it seems like guys, like you said, are having a harder time kind of getting their wind back. And you got to remember, even if, you know, you don't have COVID, if you're just laid up in bed for a week, for five days without a nasty, potentially life-threatening infection, I mean, you're going to, your muscle's going to go down. You're going to become deconditioned pretty darn quick. I mean, we worry about people laying in bed for a day in the hospital. Think of being laid up for five, 10 days for some of these guys. So I think it's just a big part time and, and hopefully we learn more about it, but hopefully this also goes away so that we never have to, you know, deal with it again. 
Yeah, and Mavericks, a couple Mavericks were stuck in a hotel room in Denver for about three weeks. So yeah, yeah. and like couldn't <laughs> couldn't leave. I mean, yeah, I mean, you want to talk about stress and like load. I mean, gosh, think of think of the anxiety on someone trying to come back from that and deal with COVID and everything. So yeah, it's it's been tough for these guys. Yeah, it's, it's an incredibly strange season. Uh, Brian, we'll put a link in the description of the podcast for your YouTube channel. It's incredible. It's great stuff always. Uh, so go check him out. And thanks so much for joining us again. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Nick. That'll do it for Lockdown Mavericks. If you guys haven't, our YouTube channel is up. We're slow rolling it right now. We'll go full on pretty soon here and put full episodes, clips, and potentially extra stuff and content on YouTube. So go check it out, Lockdown Mavericks. Go follow us and subscribe there. We'll be back with a post game for the Mavericks game coming up tonight if you're listening to this on Wednesday. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Mavs. Peace out. Boom. Couldn't you just, you know, inject something right into his heart? I'd love to. But we have no way of knowing where the heart is. See, every human is different.